0: Hey, this is going to be a great episode today. I'm talking with my friend Shannon Thornhill, pastor of DeSoto Life Church in Hernando, Mississippi. In my opinion, Shannon is a hero of the faith. He's in his second year of planning a brand new church completely from scratch. Shannon, along with his growing family, is carving out a dynamic work for God. In this conversation, you'll be encouraged and learn what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. Whether preacher or saint, you're going to gain valuable insights on how to support the work of the Lord and how to remain encouraged in tough times. We talk about maintaining spiritual balance, integrity, the importance of being confident in what God calls us to do, and how people can encourage church planters. This was a fun conversation, and I know you'll enjoy listening in. If at any point you feel a tug to bless DeSoto Life Church financially or with the word of encouragement— You can find them on Facebook at DeSoto Life Church or visit their website at www.DeSotoLifeUPC.org. excited to welcome to the podcast today Pastor Shannon Thornhill, pastor of DeSoto Life Church in Hernando, Mississippi. That's in DeSoto County, a church planter there. And Shannon, how long has the church been there now?
1: So we've been here for two years. We're headed on our third year, hard to believe this year.
0: It's a third year, and they're doing a great job there. Uh, Shannon and I have become close friends. It's a situation where I married his wife's best friend, our wives are lifelong best friends, and so we inherited one another as friends. That doesn't always go well, but in this situation, it, it was great, and we've become really close friends. And, uh, man, I really appreciate your friendship.
1: Man, thank you so much, and uh, I appreciate your friendship as well, and I'm excited to be on the podcast with you today.
0: I uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, uh, I, I knew one of the things my wife said to me is, is uh, you know, it's really important that you like the Thornhills. And I thought, oh, Lord, how's this going gonna- <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. to <laughs> But thank God, uh, y'all are just amazing people. And I have so much respect for what you're doing in the city of Hernando and his church planters. Uh, people who have read the blog over the years at RyanAFrench.com already know that I grew up in Home Missions. We used to call it uh, Home Missions or Metro Missions. And, uh, and so I have a heart for it. I spent really my, all my formative years in Home Missions. My dad started a church on the south side of Chicago in a city called Wheaton, Illinois. And, um, and I've always just had a burden for, for Home Missions. The Lord hasn't called me to do it, but uh, I have incredible respect for what y'all are doing. And uh, I just wanted to start by, we're going to just talk through some things here, but I know that there are a lot of pastors that listen to this program, and aspiring ministers and pastors, and even people who are considering whether or not they should start a church, perhaps they feel the tug of God, the call of God on their life, maybe they're trying to recognize what God's call looks like to start a church. So let me ask you, how... How did the Lord call you to plan a church? Did you always know you were going to do that? How did, how did that process happen for you?
1: Well, you know, I, uh, I was raised up in church, and uh, I kind of I pick around at our church a little bit every now and then. and I'll tell everybody I had a drug problem. You know, my mom and dad drug me to church and drug me to <laughs> prayer meetings and drug me to work days. And, uh, but I, I went to a youth camp when I, in Mississippi. Uh, I was 17 years old, and I just went to hang out that week. But you know that week the Lord really just began to stir me, and um, I had just an incredible youth camp. I, to be honest with you, I can't I can't remember who was preaching. I, I don't remember that, but I remember every night, uh, just had some incredible altar calls and moves of God. When I come home that week, I really felt like God began to deal with me about uh, about preaching and had called me to preach. And whenever God called me to preach, I felt just a very very clear. Uh, pretty much immediately that God had called me to plant a church. Uh, in fact, when uh, Whitney and I, we were um, when we were dating and we were t- starting to talk about uh, getting married, one of the first questions I asked her, I said, well, I want you to know that I feel like God's called me to plant a church. Now, I had no idea what that looked like. I had no idea what that even uh, entailed. And I said, I just want to make sure you're okay with that. And so I, I began to talk to my pastor about it, and uh, just it's just something I knew from the very start that this is what God had wanted me to do not just uh, not just to preach, but to, to go and put in a church in in a city.
0: So, how old were were you in that youth camp, roughly?
1: I was seventeen, if I remember right, sixteen 17. or seventeen.
0: So you knew really from a young age that the Lord was calling you to not just pastor or preach, but to start a church.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's something, as strange as it may sound, just something just very, very clear uh, in my mind. In fact, I went and talked to my pastor about it and told him that, uh, you know, that I felt like not only was I called to, to preach, but I was called to plant a church of something that just really stood out in my mind.
0: Tell us a little bit about Hernando. I know that church planting in every city is a little bit different. Every, every state really has kind of its own paradigm to it. Uh, You're in Hernando, which, uh, for people who don't know, it's kind of right there on the the Tennessee-Mississippi line. It's very, very close to Memphis. Aren't you all, um, oh, maybe 30 minutes from downtown Memphis? Is that right?
1: Yes, that's exactly right. We're 25 to 30 minutes from Memphis.
0: So Hernando's a beautiful city, uh, and even though it's it's Mississippi, I think of it as almost a bedroom community to Memphis, a kind of a metro area, but also still has uh, kind of a small town feel to it. Am I describing it correctly? Am I close?
1: Absolutely. Yes, it, it, we are. We are a um, we're kind of like a suburb of Memphis. And um, but it is a, just a quaint little town here in
0: Mississippi. Um, how did you wind up? going to Hernando? What's the story there? How did God lead you to that specific place? And how did you know where you were supposed to go?
1: Well, you know, first off, I, when I felt like God called me to plant a church, I, I felt like God called me to plant an apostolic church in a city that had no church in it. Yeah, And so I, I was around 20 years old at this time, and uh, I was preaching out in Mississippi. And I got connected with a pastor that pastors near where we are today, which is about three and a half hours from where I am from. And so I come down to preach for him. And I, I can still remember uh, we were sitting in the parking lot of his church. And he asked me, he says, so what do you feel like God's called you to do ultimately? And I said, well, I, you know, I feel like God's called me to put in a church. That's that's the only thing that I I've, I can just feel so strong And so he took me, he started talking to me about Hernando, which is about 30 minutes from where he was. And you just got to know him. He he would take me over, would ride around the city, and he would take me through the city and say, you need to pray about this, and he would (laughs) show me all the subdivisions. Look at all these people, Brother Shannon, you need need to really pray about this. Now, um, in fact, whenever uh, my wife and I were, were still dating, we drove up here and drove through Hernando, Uh, And I told her, I said, you know, this is a city we really need to pray about and think about. Now, we can fast forward about eight years from there. uh, You know, the calling that I felt then became more intense as the years went down the road. And I I really felt like God was calling us to this city to plant a church. I didn't know anybody here. We had no idea about anybody in this city, but I just felt so strongly this is where God wanted us. And so it was one night before, uh, before prayer meeting. I was praying and just asking God about this, and praying about planting this church here. And uh, I I hadn't talked to that brother that uh, that introduced me to this city in years. He had moved on, was pastoring in another state. And I began to pray. I said, God, if if this is Your will for us to go plant this church in this city, I, I want I want You to just have this guy call me and let's just just. I just need a sign. You know, I want to know this is right. Yeah, uh, it, it's one thing to just go put church, but to up and move your family and jobs. It was just a whole different thing. And so I um, just in that night, this guy who I hadn't talked to in several years uh, called me on the phone. Said, well, hey, Brother Shannon, wow. I just calling and I just have you thought about Hernando lately? you know and so that w- that was one moment like okay I-, I understand this is definitely something god is dealing with me about and so that is that's that's how we got here is is something god put in our heart over 8 years ago and uh and then 8 years later just really began to put it in our heart to come to this city and plant a church
0: wow that's amazing he just called you out of the blue
1: yes absolutely I, right after i get done praying that God would uh that God would put him put me on his heart to call us.
0: that's how God does it, isn't it He it is <laughs> well when God is really dealing with us he'll do he'll do things that just blow our minds like that.
1: When you're planting a church, you're doing something that's beyond you. And I'll even, I even I think I can go a step further and say it like this. I don't care how much money or, or, or provision that you may have to come in and plant a church. If God's not ultimately supporting that church, it's not going to succeed. Yeah. And on the vice versa of that, I don't care how much that you don't have coming in. If God's supporting that, God's going to provide and make a way for that. You know, when we when we come that's here, so we didn't true. have just a, a ton of support like just right off the bat. Everybody telling us that's going to give this much money a month to help us. You know, and just one miracle that just happened for us. I was at work one day and I was praying. I said, God, you're able to give us a certain amount of money every month, and I, I prayed this, that said, God, you can send one person that can do this to to help us not have to worry about rent, not have to worry about all of these things, be able to focus on on pastoring the church. And I get a call two weeks later um, from a lady that, that lives in, in another state, or at the time she lived in another state, and had just gotten a job. She didn't go to church anywhere, and she wanted to start paying her tithes to the church, and which and it matched over the amount that I was, uh, I had been praying and asking God for. And so those are the kind of miracles that God does yeah. that you, you can't plan for that. It's not no. like I said, okay, we're going to go plan in church, and then God's going to send this, this, and this. You just have to, you step out and you start praying, God will put the meal in the barrel when you need it. And those are just miracles that happen.
0: It seems like with miracles, uh, everybody wants miracles, right? You know, we all want a miracle in our ministry, in our lives, but we don't like to be in a position where we have to have a miracle, right? It's like, (laughs) we want miracles. But but in church planting, what it really does is in so many ways, it forces you to walk by faith in ways that other people don't really understand because they've never truly had to walk by faith in that in that exact way to where literally, without the help of God, it's going to fall apart.
1: There, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, I, I believe that we, we all have to have miracles no matter what. Uh, you know, in life, God heals bodies. He works miracles in people. But when you step out and do something, you know, like – Planting a church or starting a new ministry, whatever it might be, when you step out doing something like that, we are completely dependent on God. I told my wife I don't know how many times I said, "Well, if God don't show up, it don't matter. We're in trouble either way."
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but if He shows up, that and and of course we have promises in His Word that He will, and I can I can give us testimonies today how God has showed up for the past uh, two and a half years that we have been here. And so if he's done it for the past two and a half years, I believe that even more is coming down the road.
0: Now, let me shift gears here a little bit and ask you a, a kind of a specific question. What would you like people to know? And by people, I mean other pastors, maybe pastors who are not home missions pastors, church planners, pastors who've never been in your shoes, or, or even just other saints, people who um, you know are looking at a church plant, but they maybe they've never been a part of one. What would you like people to know about church planting? What would you like them to understand that perhaps they don't understand right now?
1: You know, one thought that just kind of comes to my mind is church planting is not insignificant. Mm. Church plants are making an incredible difference in our world. Now, North America missions put out a statement. uh, I want to say it was in 2019 that we have somewhere around 380-something churches that are church plants in the U.S., and that those church plants averaged over eleven thousand people every single Sunday wow. across the United States, and in twenty nineteen alone, it was over two thousand nine hundred something that got baptized in Jesus' name, two thousand six hundred and something were filled with the Holy Ghost. I think one thing I would I would like for people to know is church planting is making a major difference in our world today. Yeah, it, it's not insignificant, I, and I know so many times. It's so easy to look at a church plant and go, like, oh, they're running 20 people, you know, or there's only 15 people there or whatever it might be. But church plant is a whole lot bigger than that. In the grand scheme of things, church plant is making an incredible difference across our world uh, and is adding more people to the kingdom of God uh, through this avenue that God has, has provided us.
0: And I think people forget sometimes as well that Every church begins as a church plant. Every church oh. has to start somewhere. Right. And if no one, if people quit planting churches, uh, then we're never going in, in the future. We're going to feel the effects of that. In some ways, I think we are. And I certainly don't want to be negative because this is a positive subject. But we are seeing st- statistically, uh, and since you mentioned statistics, and I know everyone zones out when we start talking numbers. Uh, <laughs> Research tells us this when people are listening. They don't like your numbers. (laughs) But uh, I will say that we do know from the statistics that less and less people are are starting churches. And that's not just among Pentecostal organizations. That's all organizations, Baptists, everyone. Uh, It seems like fewer and fewer people are accepting. I don't think it's that God is calling fewer people. I think perhaps fewer people are accepting the call, yes. um, and we're already starting to feel the effects of that. But if people don't accept and embrace the burden that God places on their heart to start churches, we're going to lose a lot of the impact that we could have you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the road. Sure. And so church planning is, is really the backbone of, of revival. Uh, it's it's really because going into a city where there's there's no other church and reaching people that have no access to an apostolic voice. I didn't even mean to throw that in there, but did you hear how perfect that was? No access. I to did. It? I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Personal sacrifice plays a huge role in starting a church, and I know that you're not going to tell all your stories, but I know that you and your wife and family have made a lot of personal sacrifices to obey the call of God on your life. How do you, and, and I might even say, how do you and your wife as a couple, because uh, y'all really are a team. When you start a church, that husband and wife team is, is, is so dynamic, Absolutely. How do you stay optimistic when difficulties arise?
1: You know, i I think there's a few ways that we can uh, we can stay optimistic. I think one of the most important things about staying optimistic, even when difficulties arise, and you know, saying that there's difficulties in every aspect of life, and sure. I think that this could probably play a role in, in several different ways. But I think that we have to be confident in our calling. I think this is why it's so important to know that God has called you because when those difficulties do arrive you can you can fall back on the understanding that God called me that's, that's the most so important thing that I have about being here I'm not sent and I'm thankful for all the the people that supports and and my pastor and and the UPC and all I'm thankful for all of that but we're not sent here by man I'm ultimately sent here because God called me here
0: that's right
1: And I can fall back on that when we have those difficult times that come up that, hey, I know I'm I'm right where God placed me and God's still working and everything's going to be okay. Because if you don't have that confidence in knowing that you were called, I promise you there's going to be times that you're going (laughs) to you're going to question everything that's inside of you. and say, because it's not it's not fun when you show up and uh, especially in the beginning when we showed up and there was nobody there. Those are those are times you have to fall back on your calling and know that says God told me that he's going to plant a church here and I'm standing in faith, believing that he is. But, you know, I think the second thing that we can do to stay optimistic is to have our personal devotion. As you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just being a, a pastor, you're constantly putting out, you're, you're you're putting into people and you're pouring into people in leadership and and, and trying to win souls and preaching I believe that we must have a personal devotion life every single day because it's through that that we get the encouragement that we need that we read the Word of God and it just somehow is the right scripture at the right time or whatever it might be but also surrounding ourselves with people who understand where you are Uh, getting ministers around you that understand church planning that can be a voice of encouragement for you. I believe those are ways that are just really important that we can have to just stay optimistic even when it's tough times. Because when I call somebody and and I and you know I'm really struggling with this and they can say, well, I, I struggled with that too and and God's brought us through. Those are ways that we can really encourage ourselves to just keep fighting and keep going whenever we are in those times.
0: Yeah, that's great advice for every minister because we're. If we're doing what we're called to do, we're constantly pouring out. Use that word, pouring out. And if we're not careful, we'll empty ourselves out. And if we're not constantly refilling, refilling ourselves with the Word, through prayer, with the Spirit, with the anointing, allowing God to fill us back up, then eventually we're going to be so depleted we don't have any spiritual strength left or physical strength for that matter. Absolutely. That's that's tremendous practical advice. Now what what's the most encouraging thing that anyone's ever done for you as a church planter? It, anybody, pastor, saint, friend, what's the most encouraging thing that anyone's ever done? And I'm asking that because I know there are a lot of people that would like to know what can I do to encourage a a church planter in my life, Uh, a loved one perhaps, who lives several states away, but I want to encourage them? What advice would you give them, and what kind of story could you tell them?
1: All right, so now this question here, I I could spend a lot of time personally on because it's something that I have definitely benefited from on numerous occasions. But uh, just Something that's really applied to us, and in our case, we've got an incredible group of pastors that pastor around us. And we've had our, our local pastors that are, are near us have supported us, encouraged us. And just looking out there and see when you have a special revival or a special event and seeing some pastors that are just out there and knowing there's some guys that are just behind you just makes a world of difference. Yeah, And, you know, one of the most encouraging things that I think has— uh, th- to begin with, it ever happened, one of our local pastors, um, when we first got going, sent us a young lady to come help us out. And she would come and she's still with us today. And just, and we, it was just my, my wife and I and our three uh, children at the time and uh, and her. And so like, it was just so encouraging to know that we have somebody that believed in us and somebody that was willing to send someone to help us out. But, uh, you know, talking about um, what others might can do to encourage. Now, my home church, when I, we are able to go home and be in our, our home service, I, I can't tell you how many times we have people that come up to us and they they say, I just want you to know we've been praying for you. Wow. Yeah. We, we've been thinking about you. In fact, I my mom will call me often and she'll say, Well, so and so, ask me at church how y'all were doing and just wanted you to know that we we're. I, I know that may seem simple to say, but I'm telling you, those things are just. They're powerful. Prayer changes things, and knowing that you've got uh, elders back home that has been in the church for years and years that have you on their mind and they're praying for you, I think is just so incredible. But the last story, I think I might would uh, I might would have that was just one of the most encouraging things that has happened to me personally as a church planner. My uh, my pastor, uh, brother brother Steve Williams in Brookhaven. Uh, one service, and now when you have when you start out with you and your family, when you start having a visitor, I want to tell you you get mighty excited. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, and sir.
1: So, I, you know, most people will say we only have ten here. When we left, we said we have ten here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: And it's I all about remember, perspective. Absolutely. So I remember one service. I want to say we had nineteen in that service. And when I tell you, bro, I was so I was through the roof. You know, okay. we had 19 in service. Yeah. We had a visiting minister with us that weekend. He wasn't nearly as excited as I was about it, <laughs> but he wasn't there when it was just us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just a few months ago. And so my pastor, I sent him a picture of it. He, I didn't. He just congratulated us and said, you know, he's so happy for us. And but I was watching their live stream a few a uh, few days later, and. Here he is up there talking about what God's doing in Hernando and showing a picture of the the, the crowd that was there on that day. And this is and your just pastor. celebrating the fact of what God was doing. And, and I'm going to tell you, bro, that was one of the most encouraging things I remember of. There is people that believe in us and is excited about this and is praying for this and showing me that there's more behind this than just us. There's God behind this, and there's, you know, our our home church is behind us, and that is super encouraging.
0: That is so encouraging. Well, I'm going to switch gears on you again, and I'm going to ask you how you view evangelism and outreach. There's a little bit of differences between evangelism and outreach. We could use them interchangeably if we want to, and let me throw in a couple more questions with that. What's been the most effective evangelistic or outreach effort So far as a church planter?
1: Well, um, you know, the way I view evangelism kind of changed a uh, a few years back. Um, I used to think that evangelism was just going out and uh, inviting people to church and just trying to get people to show up to church. And, you know, that's a great part of evangelism. But I read a book uh, by Brother uh, Stan Gleason that was called uh, Lead to Follow or Follow to Lead, I believe is the, the name of the book. And in that book, he talked about building relationships. And one story that stuck out in my mind is that he talked about building this relationship with his neighbor. And he got a Bible study out of him. <clears throat> and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, you know, the next week the guy was in church. But over a course of, of a period of time, he began to invite him to church and God began to really move in his life. And I believe the greatest tool of evangelism is building relationships with people. I, uh, I worked a, a, a job here in our city and was able to build relationships with people in that in that job. And we got like 16 people from my job to come to church. That's amazing. And they came to church because we had a relationship with them. They felt comfortable coming to church. And you know, one thing that I really push for, and I, I talk about our culture a lot, to the small group of leaders that we do have in the church right now. And I I push things like this because we've had people say these things, and this is what I want people to say: when we come here, we feel loved, Mm. we feel seen, we feel at home, we feel uh, the presence of God. You know, it's building. If you build a relationship with people, they will be open to you being able to teach them a Bible study, to teach them truth. And I now I'll go a step further and say, truth does not scare people off. It's the lack of relationship that scares some people off, because if you if you have a, a relationship with people, they'll be open to what you have to say. And I've seen that numerous times throughout our couple of years uh, here in Hernando. Now, talking about some of the most effective things that we have done at the church. Now, of course, you know, and when you're doing evangelism and, and, and outreach, you're just trying everything that you can. We've we've done everything I know to do from knock doors to send out flyers to whatever it might be. But a few things that we do, we do a family day every year. And uh, it's a day that we have like a block party in our park here. And we'll have a revival service that Saturday night and that Sunday morning. And every year that we've done that, we have we have won a family to the Lord. In fact, uh, one of the first families that we uh, invited, it was before we even started the church, we had this family day. And we were inviting people to the church. And one of the couples, they didn't come to that next Easter. But this past summer, I was able to baptize them in Jesus' name.
0: Isn't and that amazing?
1: Yes, it's not something that happens just necessarily overnight, but it does take time to, to right. build Right, you can't blessings. be
0: discouraged if you don't see the, the fruit of it immediately.
1: Absolutely. You know, I, I was talking to a pastor here recently. And I, w- I was just I was just talking to him about where we are. I still you know the church that we have right now. We are blessed with just an incredible group of people. And I'm not just saying that because we're on a podcast today.
0: <laughs> no, you uh, do.
1: We we have a good group of people that are serious about their relationship with and, God. And
0: I, and I know that God. you talk like this when we're not podcasting. So just for everyone listening.
1: Awesome. Yes. And so we we do have the we have a really good group of people that are faithful and come to church and they are they're faithful in being there and they're going to be at Bible study and they're going to be there on on Sundays and they really do love God. And I I was talking to a pastor uh, here recently because, you know, we view revival like this. You know, we want we want those quick growth revivals where you have 100 people come in, get the Holy Ghost and you, you you've got people getting the Holy Ghost every week, and we all want that. I want that, so I'm not I'm not discouraging that in the least bit. But I was just talking to him about it, and he, and he said, "Let me tell you something, Shannon." He said, "When you have a group of people that's showing up faithfully, and they love God, and they're open to the Word of God, and they're doing their best, and they're reaching for more," he said, "When those people receive the Holy Ghost, and those people are baptized in Jesus' name," he said, "those are people that's going to be in this thing for a while. It's
0: going to stick."
1: Yes. And I uh, you know, and I so many times it, it's so easy, especially as church planners, to be discouraged because you're you're looking at these and we all hear these stories of, you know, we had a fifty soul revival. Well that is wonderful and, and I believe that's gonna happen for everybody. I want that to happen right here in Hernando. But I want to be faithful in saying, you know what, we are – God's moving in these people. We're teaching. We're reaching. We're preaching. We're building relationships. And one day there's going to be a breakthrough and lives are going to be changed. And when they are, it's going to be a group of people that's going to shake our city. Right, you know, it's because going to you're, be
0: building, you're building foundations in people's lives. Yes, so absolutely. It, it's more than just uh, – a quick experience that people have and there's nothing wrong I, i'm all for people responding quickly and receiving right. the holy ghost quickly but that foundation is being laid and and when people do receive the holy ghost and they are baptized they're already going to have a foundation to start building their life on absolutely what what do you wish that you could do in your area that you're just not able to do right now, whether it be because of finances or (laughs) certainly COVID and all of the things that have affected all churches, what do you wish you could do in the future that you're not doing right now for whatever reason?
1: Sure. All right. So, of course, you know how COVID has messed us up a lot this year. There's a lot of things I wish we could have done this year. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a plan on some things, but – you know one thing that has uh, that really sticks out in my mind that we have plans to do and that we desire to do, and uh, we're we're working towards it. I want to start a bus ministry in our mm-hmm. our city. We have several areas in our city. I know that it would just go exceptionally well in. And you know bus ministry is huge. Uh, you know, I, I know that some people, can can look at and see all the time and the resources and the 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 manpower that it takes to get to get one going and keep one going, but we have a, a we have a young lady in our church right now who is our um our children's director, and she is a bus kid that got in church years and years ago. Oh, yes,
0: her testimony's powerful
1: and I'm telling you whenever we we realize that god's working in people's lives. I believe that bus ministry is an incredible way to reach people that maybe their parents won't bring them to church or are never going to bring them to church. But these are these kids can become world changers if we can just get them in the church and begin to train them. And that's one area that I really want to, to push forward for in the, in the future.
0: And most of the things hindering that at this point would be financial, right? Having to buy a bus or vans, however you decide to do it, and insurance and all of those things. Is that right. Right.
1: Yes, that and and just kind of the manpower behind it as well. When you're a church planner, you you have a little bit of a, um, you're kind of doing a million things on, mm-hmm. on, a, on a weekend, mm-hmm. and so we are we're looking for manpower as well on getting that going.
0: You you mean you can't do one million more things, Shannon? I don't understand. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, with the twins coming along here that we're about to be having, I guess I'm gonna have to learn how to try
0: to. Do you those. are gonna have to learn. For people that don't know, the Thornhills have uh, three children. How old are your kids, Shannon?
1: So we have a, a seven, a six, and a, a four-year-old.
0: <laughs> seven, six, and four-year-old, and uh, and Whitney is is she eight months pregnant now?
1: Yes, we got. It, it'll be uh, the end of January or early February
0: eight months pregnant with twins. So there's revival coming to Hernando already. It's, I mean,
1: Absolutely. It's <laughs> I have my own bus ministry going. We fill a car up every Sunday morning going to church. <laughs> I was going to say,
0: no wonder you feel such a burden, because you do have, you have your own bus ministry. That's so awesome. I love it. Well, Shannon, what's the most difficult thing about church planting and reaching an unchurched city so far?
1: This is just mine personally, for me to just get myself out of the way and believe that God can grow a church with me. And just being a little more, um, uh, just being open about where I am. We all believe God can do anything. I don't think we have to convince people of that. We, we believe God can heal and God can work. And we love hearing all these stories about how churches grow and all of that. But when you first start now and you show up and you're looking at empty chairs uh, weeks on end at a time, It's a brand new challenge to start believing that God can grow this church where you're at for you. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, personalizing faith is hard.
1: Right. And I think that was one of the most challenging things that I had to deal with through that process of the first several months of it, is just getting to the understanding that God don't just want to grow churches in other areas. He wants to grow this church. That's why he sent me here. He wants to work miracles here. He wants to do things for us in this city and those are some challenges that I kind of had to go through in our first couple of years of being here.
0: Yeah, it's always easy to have faith for someone else or trust that God's going to do it for someone else. It's always harder when it's when the rubber meets the road and it's and it's us and we're trusting There's no God doubt. for us.
1: There's no doubt.
0: So, so what's been the easiest thing? I know a lot of times people talk about the hardest things about church planting, and and maybe specifically direct this answer for towards someone who might be praying about starting a church. Uh, What did you expect to be hard or difficult, but it actually was much easier than you thought it would be?
1: Um, You know, you feel this pressure to compete with everything the big churches are doing. Mm. Everybody's got all these programs, and you feel this pressure to do that. And you you almost feel this pressure like everybody wants that, that they have to have that to even grow. Mm. And so I felt that pressure that that's what we needed to do. But one thing that's been easier that I didn't expect to be easier is we're not in competition with the big churches around us. Yeah. We, there are people that come to church that they are so excited about being at church because they feel loved and they feel the presence of God. And I think that we we make these things difficult when, and when we really need to realize that this is really about the presence of God and God doing the work in people's lives that we don't have to have all of these big events. And I'm not, I'm not against those things at all. And it's, the more we grow, the more we'll add, the more we'll do. But we don't have to have those things to grow. And I expected that to be the difficult thing, and it has not been the difficult thing because we've had people that are open to, to, to a new church and open to come in uh, and, and experiencing God in even a smaller setting. And we don't have people at our church that come in talking about how small we are. We have people coming in our church talking about how great our church is and how they feel the presence of God. And they tell their friends about it and they tell their family about it. And not one person has been ashamed to bring one of their family members to a a storefront. And those are things that I I expected to might would happen, but did not happen. And, And the second thing I would say that maybe I expected to be difficult was I almost expected to be a little bit difficult on my children. Mm. And that was one thing that really scared me about planting a church is, oh, wow. is it going to be hard for my, my kids to not have the the big, you know, the, the events and the, the Sunday, Sunday school yeah. to be able to go to? And, bro, I'm going to tell you, our kids love planting this church as much as we do. I'll never forget one story. We have these – you've been here, and you know what I'm talking about. We have these big windows right in front of our, our church. And it was uh, the first few months, it was just my family and I and, and 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 Lauren that was with us. And so Blakely was standing, which is our oldest daughter, standing at one of those big windows when we had the first car drive up. Bro, she jumped up and down screaming, we've got visitors. we got visitors.
0: That is incredible. I love that so much.
1: And, man, I'll never forget that memory as long as I live. And to this day, they, they wake up asking, are we going to church? When we pray together at night, they're praying, God, I want you to fill up our church. God bless our church. That's and they talk about how much they love our church. Now, my wife's family goes to a big church. and My home church is a good-sized church. They love going home from there, but they never come back saying things. I wish our church had all of that. They love being in a church plant and reaching people and praying for people. And I think that has been something I expected to be difficult, but wasn't difficult.
0: That's beautiful. Hey, I read a book not too long ago. I think it was called Ignite, and uh, I feel bad mentioning it without knowing all the details about it, but pretty sure it was called Ignite. And it was talking about something you mentioned a moment ago that struck me about uh, programs, big church programs. And, And one of the things the book dealt with was how bloated churches can become with programs Mm -hmm. where churches almost become slaves to programs that don't work any longer or programs that aren't really as effective as we like to think they are. And um, I come from a different angle than you because uh, I pastor a very old, established church over 50 years old. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems that a church like mine faces is, once you get a program ingrained in the culture of the church, even if it's no longer helpful, or uh, maybe it's a little helpful, but something else would be a lot more helpful, getting that program removed can can almost be like pulling teeth. With With that in mind, how do you envision approaching programs in the future do you do you think that you'll try to streamline more if, since you've found that uh, programs uh, you can be very effective without you know dozens of programs in your church right uh, do you do you think that you'll approach church programming for lack of a better term differently perhaps than you would have thought eight five six seven years ago or or do you see yourself eventually just moving in that direction? Uh, like like other churches have done
1: so bro that is a, is an incredible question, and that's something that I have just now you're talking about reading a book. I just finished a book called Simple Church, and it talked about some of the same things that you were talking about, and it's brought up a lot of ideas and questions in my mind about programs and in this book it it done research on all the the great churches that are growing are the churches that are growing and vibrant in the U.S. I forget how many that they had uh, that they done this research on. And they found out that the churches that are growing the most are the churches that have simplified church. Now, I'm not talking about doctrine, not talking about the word or any of that, but they shrunk the program. Right, we're not talking about
0: throwing throwing, uh, convictions out or anything like that. Right.
1: So they shrunk their programs down instead of launching a new program and saying, okay, we need to have the, you know, the, young marriage this week, or we need to have, you know, instead of launching programs, they begin to fill their, their churches with uh, the programs within the programs. And, and instead of, they would do like a small group or, or what have you. And they needed to, they wanted to do something on marriage. They would take some Wednesday nights and they would teach on marriage and they would do different things of that nature. And that way they said, because when you start begging everybody to show up on a Saturday, and they won't, they, they're busy or whatever it not, might be. And that's a whole different subject for a whole different time.
0: Hey, <laughs> yeah, it sure is.
1: <laughs> but, you know, when you're begging people to show up and they don't really want to be there, he said it becomes very difficult. But when you start adding things into the programs that you already have, and so he said it makes an incredible difference. And my idea is I, I want to do that here at our church. The more we grow, I want to add more to the Sundays and more to the Wednesdays that we have. And, you know, and, and of course, there will be other things that will be added, but I want to make it very simple. And he, in that book, they talked about every program you have should align with a mission or the vision of the church. And I, I want to make sure that that's the case. I don't want to just add programs for the sake of adding programs, because that's what you're supposed to do. I want to add programs and new and, and things to the church, because that is furthering the church, furthering the word of God, furthering the gospel. Further in reaching you people, I want it to be I want it to be aimed towards something, not a means of just having a program. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I've thought a lot lately about our programming can become almost for the program itself and not right. for the people that it's supposed to be touching. In other words, the program should be created for the people, not the people for the program.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, it reminds me of, of what Jesus said. He said the the Sabbath was created for you. You weren't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for you. And I think church should work that way. We should be – of course, we're not – I don't mean that we dumb things down or we change doctrine, but every program should be designed to be helpful in some way. And unfortunately, and we could bemoan this, and you and I have in private conversations many times, you know, we just live in such a fast-paced world. Now, I know COVID slowed things down a little bit, but – uh, or a lot, but eventually it's going to get back uh, to the pace it was if the Lord tarries. right. And people are between work and just people commute now. people drive so far to to work and church and all over the place. Uh, and it's not a good thing. I think people's lives are too busy. Right. But if we can find a way to streamline things, not take things away, but streamline them in a way, where they're accessible to people without overwhelming them. Absolutely. I really feel like that's probably the, the church culture of, of the future. Is it right for people to be that busy? Well, probably not. And there are certainly things that the church needs to encourage people to cut out of their life Absolutely that, that right. cause them to be too busy. But the reality is um, we're not going to be able to change the culture by yelling about how busy they are. Right, uh, We've got to find a way to capture as much of their time as we possibly can and be incredibly impactful in those brief moments that we have. And uh, anyway, we jumped off to, onto a whole tangent there. But one of the things I've said to you in our personal conversations is, you have such an opportunity to shape the culture of a church because it's brand new. What an right. incredible thing that is that you're able to – uh, from the ground up, just uh, let your your vision and your stamp be on it from the very absolutely. It's such well, a cool I had, opportunity.
1: Had one pastor tell me, he said, uh, "He said Shannon, if you got complaints about the culture in ten years, he said you can't blame nobody, but you, right? you don't have anyone else." <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so I guess that's the one way to look at it. This
0: way, that's <laughs> right. Well, Shannon, what what advice would you give to someone right now, young or old? Uh, who's thinking about starting a church in North America, and, and then maybe throw in, if you can, maybe one thing that you would do differently if you okay. could go back in time.
1: So first off, I, I'll kind of go back to what we talked about earlier. Be sure of your calling. I believe that, like you said earlier, there's more people that's called to plant a church than are actually planting churches. But I believe that before you do anything, we should be sure— Of our calling to go and plant a church, if that's what you feel like God's calling you to do. Now, I I believe this. I believe in reading. I believe in preparing. I I believe in getting a plan together and doing the very best that you can. But I would, I would give advice to this: be ready to change and replan, and allow God to do what He does best. (laughs) Yes. You know, God, He'll do what we can't do, but God's not going to make up for our laziness. He's not going to do what we can do. And so I, I don't. I'm not one of these guys. That says, well, you just show up. and You just trust God. And you, no, I believe God wants us to prepare and wants us to be ready, and wants us to plan things. But I'm gonna tell you, my plans that I had didn't go A B C.
0: They never <laughs> they do. went
1: Z Y X. Yep, they, they never the go the they way they we think. <laughs> so I believe that number one, we we ought to plan, but we need to be open. This is it. it you know, the Bible says, except God builds the house. You know, those that labor, labor and we need to allow God to just do what he does. I do believe in planning and preparing, but you can't plan for a miracle. There's mm-hmm. things that God's going to do that you just can't plan for. And some things, the things you can plan for, you need to, but the rest you need to trust God because he's going to make a way for it. If we're doing what God's telling us to do, I, I believe that's the number one thing I would say. Just do what God's telling you to do and trust him with what you cannot do. And if I could go back and change one thing, I think I would do a lot the same. That's not saying that we did everything right. Now, ask me in five years. I may have a little bit different story. I'm going to speak with two years into this thing. (laughs) Um, And so if I could go back and change some things, I think I would go back and take some of the advice that I just gave (laughs) and not worry so much about what I can't control. Mm. Because I can't tell you how many times I I took it so personal in our first few months. Nobody showed up today. Now, I want to tell you, if if you're not doing outreach and inviting people to church and doing something, don't complain about nobody showing up. There's Mm -hmm. a reason nobody showed up. Mm -hmm. But if you're praying and you're fasting and you're doing outreach and you're reaching for people and nobody don't show up, that is out of your control. And you need to trust God and not take it so personal. I think I would go back along the journey and I would take it a little more easy as I went along and just allow God to make the changes to my plan and know that it's about the journey and growing and, and and knowing that God will work these things out because if everything was planned out and, and if, man, if you would have told me two years ago, here's how it's all going to work out. You know, God's going to provide the finances. God's going to, he's going to send people to the church. They're going to be good people, man, who wouldn't show up and do that? You yeah. know, I, yeah. I mean, if, if everything was all planned out, when you everything. everything of course we would show up and do those things, but we have to trust that God called us here and that he's going to continue to make a way even though we don't see the way out. And I think if I could go back and tell myself something, that would be one thing I would tell myself.
0: You'd go back in time and encourage yourself and say, hey, don't worry so much. (laughs) Right,
1: right. And so now I'm going to talk to myself again. Shannon, just quit worrying. Just don't worry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll call (laughs) you with this tomorrow and play this back for you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'll probably need it.
0: (laughs) You know, you were talking about outreach and evangelism, and you said, you know, don't complain if, if you're not doing outreach and nobody shows up. Years ago, uh, a pastor, an old pastor, uh, taught me something, I think a spiritual principle that I've, that I've held on to for, oh, I don't know, probably 15 years now. He told me, he said, Ryan, all we can do is plant the seed. Right. God, God doesn't tell us exactly which seed's gonna grow into something good. He just tells us to plant the seed everywhere we go but God gives the harvest and so he said what that what i have found that means in my life is god wants me to reach out to people all the time not just with you know a saturday outreach or you know some planned outreach but constantly be reaching for people right and he said you know ryan i have found that when when i do that if i'm consistently trying to reach people and i'm trying to plant seeds of evangelism and seeds of testimony and seeds of Bible study, that if I'll do that throughout the week, visitors will show up in my church. Right. And he said, but you know what's amazing is, it's, it's almost never someone that I invited. And he said, I invite hundreds of people a week to church, but it's almost right. never someone I invited. He said, but the Lord spoke to me one day and said, if you plant the seed, I will give you a harvest. I'll give you an increase. But it's not always going to be directly because of what you did, because right. God is going to receive the glory from it. And I found that in my own life. I invite lots of people to church. I, I teach as many Bible studies as I can. And it's amazing how uh, God will bring increase, but it's not always as a direct result of my efforts. And right. I think sometimes God does that to keep us humble. Sure. You know,
1: I I believe that, you know, I mean, that's that's an incredible way to look at things. You know, there I will tell you, bro, there's people in our church. I have no idea how they come to church to this day. I have no idea how they're there. It's not because we invited them or, or, you know, whatever. But God put those people in the church. When you said that, a a thought come to my mind. My, My pastor one time said God called us to be fishermen or men, not hunters. Mm. Hunters pick and choose who they want and say, fishermen, they let down the net and whatever comes up nets, what they've got. Oh, wow. And, you know, that's what God's called us to do. And if we'll let down nets, I believe that God's going to give us a great uh, a great harvest.
0: I agree. This is a question that I think faces every minister, every pastor, no matter what capacity you are in the church. How do you manage your time and when I say time, you know, family time, personal devotion, church administration, secular work, trying to find some time and all of that to relax and just pastoring in general, as you've already mentioned, especially in home missions. But I think every pastor winds up feeling this way to a certain degree. You, you wear 10, 15, 20 hats at a time. Right. How do you manage your time and, and keep everything balanced?
1: So, bro, this is uh, this is – And a question I absolutely love and I think is uh, every bit applies to everybody. Sure does. And this is a question that I'm just going to be open with you about. I'm still trying to figure out.
0: Yeah, we all Um, are. In
1: fact, you know, we like I I told you, uh, we had mentioned earlier, we've got two more children coming. And I'm going to have to reevaluate this in a few months. You sure are. But uh, a few years ago, I read a book by Brian Tracy. I believe it was by Brian Tracy called Eat the Frog. And it was a book on time management. Now, this book just really uh, just gave me a new insight on organizing our time. And uh, as a church planner, you, you know, you wear a lot of different hats and you work in a job. You've got a lot of things going and you don't really have a whole lot of time to waste. You, you have a certain amount of time to study each week. You have a certain amount of time to reach for people. And so you have to you have to manage that time the very best that you can. So I found a, a calendar, and it's just it's an app on, uh, on my iPhone, simply called Calendars, and I made a template on it, and I and I titled my template, Journal, Habits, and To-Do List. And so I started planning out every day. I point out my weeks. I point out my months, and I point out my year on this calendar. And I can go back for the last two or three years, and I can tell you what I did every single day. I can, even if it was at work, or the people that I talked to for the church, or the, the the sermon maybe that I was studying for, whatever it might be, because I, I'll try to go back often and read over that because I know me too well and I can waste some time <laughs> and I don't want to be majoring in minor things.
0: <laughs> so are you writing in that in that journal and calendar all day long or do you wait till the end of the day or the end of the week? How do you how do you do that?
1: So on Sundays most of the time I try to plan out my I've already got so much stuff already in there. If somebody says something at church, hey, so and so is having a test this week. I'm gonna write that down to make sure that I text them or you know call them, or whatever.
0: What a great idea!
1: So, and just giving these reminders because I'm gonna forget. Okay, I, I know that I can't remember somebody's surgery two months out, but and, and you know, for instance, somebody I, I know somebody passed away, so I put it into my calendar for the next year. I need to send them a card on that day. And they text me back and said, I cannot believe you remembered that, you know, which I, I didn't. I had it in my calendar. I planned this out in advance. It, it wasn't
0: an accident. Yeah, it, that's incredible.
1: And so I, I write in it every day. I put check marks behind beside all of the stuff that I'm going to do that day. I'll put check marks on it, what I did. I've got my daily devotion, what I do, the amount of time I spend in prayer, Bible reading. I re- try to read a certain amount every day. Um, And I I spend, I I check mark all of those things off. And then at the end of the day, I have what, and when I say journal, I have what I call a reflection. And I'm not talking about something in depth. I just do something like, hey, I spent time with my kids doing this today. This miracle happened at church last week. I was so excited to see Brother So and so there. Does that make sense? So I just, something I can give me a little bit of a note that when I go back and read it from last year, that I can say, okay, that's something that I did. Now, with family time, man, what what more important thing that we have than our family? I don't care if we save the whole world, we lose a family. We are, you know, we're, we're missing something. We have to put time into into our, our wife and our, our children. And so I try to do, now, I'm, I'm not perfect at this by no means because I just get busy and get off track. So I will admit that. But I try to do some monthly goals, and I'll say, you know, one night a week or one night a month at least, I try to have a family night with my kids or plan to take Whitney out on a date because I don't want to let church planning and reaching people constantly keep me from reaching my family that's right here in my home.
0: Prioritizing your family. Yeah, it's so important. And it's amazing how easy it is for us to get our let our priorities get out of whack, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's not, it's not pressing today, you know. Yeah. I've got too many things that's pressing today, so it's easy to push off to tomorrow.
0: And it's not because we don't care. It's not because we have bad motives. Uh, it isn't even because we don't know what our priorities should be. It's just the busyness of, of working for God and life in general can just – it can just blind us sometimes. But Absolutely. I love the idea that you're writing it down and you're putting it somewhere where you can look at it. And that visual – you're probably a visual learner, aren't you?
1: I am. Yeah, Much so more that, than a reader. That, <laughs> I have struggled yeah, struggle to read.
0: That visual reminder uh, brings you back to it. That's great advice. I hope everyone's listening to that. Having good, healthy relationships, family responsibilities, finances, um, accountability is one, especially as you – I think as a home missions pastor or any pastor, you can lose that sense of, of accountability to other ministers and men of God. The challenge of staying close to God while you're working for God. I, I know that for people who aren't in ministry, that sounds a little crazy. But for people in ministry, they they know what this means. There there's the challenge of I'm always studying to help someone else, or I'm I'm always praying for someone mm-hmm. else. Right. So the the challenge becomes for a minister is I've got to maintain my relationship with God, maintaining convictions and integrity, having good ethics, especially a, as a pastor and then continually knowing the will of God uh, as we move forward in ministry. I know those are a lot of just massively vague, broad topics, but maybe you could grab onto one or two of them. And and let's just try to tackle a few of those things and see if we can help someone who's listening today.
1: Okay, you know, one of the first things that kind of stood out to me is, um, you know, as ministers, we always have in our minds – I want to reach somebody. We're trying to pour into somebody, all of that. You know, but Jesus said there's going to be people that's going to stand there on Judgment Day, and they're going to say, but God, we cast out devils in your name, and we laid hands on the sick, and we've done all of these great things for you. Yeah. And then here's that, that part that really scares me. He says, yeah, but I never knew you. Mm. We can't forget that the most important thing that we can do is we need to know God for ourselves that it's not just about praying for everybody else, and we should. It's not just about investing in everybody else, and we should. But it is about investing our time in knowing God for ourselves and having a relationship with God. Now, this is something that I think we all struggle with, because it is so easy to get so busy doing everything else in life that we don't focus our attention that this devotion time is not about studying for a message. That this prayer time is not about praying for anybody. This prayer time is about my time with God right
0: now. Yeah, this is me. I'm I'm reaching out to God right now.
1: Right, you know, and so I I heard one quote that said, "Say no to the good, so you can say yes to the great." Mm. We cannot be all things all the time to all the people. There's sometimes we have to say no to some things so we can make sure that we have the relationship. That, that will sustain us to be able to be effective ministers. Because let's just face it, at the end of the day, if we burn out, we're really no good to anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: if we're ministering out of our flesh and out of uh, just out of our head knowledge, we're probably not going to help anybody. But if we minister out of a personal relationship with God, we can help more people than what we could ever do by ourselves.
0: Because if, if we're close if to God, we'll be sensitive to the Spirit, and we'll be able to help people in ways that just book knowledge or or even just great theology is not going to to be able to do but that right. sensitivity to the spirit allows us to minister to people in a truly impactful way but that only comes when we are close to God like we should be
1: Right absolutely and there's no other way to get that outside of that I and I, I believe in reading. I believe in studying. I, I, I'll go back to what I said a while go. God's not going to make up for our laziness. And if sports athletes give as much attention that they do to, to be as good as they can, how much more should ministers do to be as good as they can? Absolutely. But reading and studying and knowing does not make you effective in working for God. Having a relationship, I believe, makes you more effective than anything else that you could do.
0: Yeah, there's nothing more important in the end. And that that impacts our our finances, our ethics, um, our ability to know the will of God, all of our relationships. Everything is impacted by our personal relationship with God.
1: No doubt. Outward things is important. Don't get me wrong. We have to do outward things. There's no doubt about that. But if we don't we don't have the inward things correct and working inside of us and God's Spirit moving inside of us, it's only a matter of time until the outward things go as well.
0: It all starts you know, to fall.
1: It does. You know, leadership, I believe, is, is starts with character. And character is not what everybody thinks about you. It's what you are inside. It's what you are in private. And if we do the things, you know, I, I find it amazing that before David ever fought one public battle, and beat Goliath, he had already fought numerous private battles and Mm. beat
0: the lion and bear.
1: If you'll fight the private battles, I promise you, you can win the public battles.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Man, this has been awesome. I have enjoyed talking with you so much, Shannon. I'm sipping on a delightful diet, Dr. Pepper, another official, unofficial, non-paying sponsor of this podcast. If you'd like to become an official paying sponsor of this program, you can visit anchor.fm forward slash apostolic voice forward slash support and give 99 cents a month. You'll have the epic gift of my deep gratitude and the satisfaction that you've made the devil very mad. And that's always a good feeling. Consider giving this podcast a five-star rating and review on iTunes. I'm not asking you to do that for my own narcissistic pleasure. Every review on iTunes raises us in the search engine algorithms, making it easier for apostolic voice to be found in search engines. Tell your friends about us and give us a share on your favorite social media platform, but most importantly, pray. Pray for us. That's by far the most important thing you can do. As always, thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.